Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode... Commonwealth is this year, which is very high on the agenda. Europeans as well, and making these teams will give me that confidence and experience. Running with Jake, the podcast. Because every runner needs the occasional plot, and here's your host, Jake Lowe. So, here it is, the show, Running with Jake, the podcast, your weekly dose of running motivation. Uh, although... If you are in the same camp as myself, it is your weekly dose of running nervousness because that's exactly how I am feeling right now. Ahead of the Manchester Marathon this weekend, I cannot believe where time has gone. It is absolutely insane. If it is the Manchester Marathon that you have your sights on, how are you feeling? Let me know. We're interested. We care. Do we need a bit of a kind of a, a virtual cuddle? Do we need to support each other? I feel like we do, you know. We, we kind of need that. Runners need to come together. If it's not the Manchester Marathon that you're working towards and you've got your eyes set on another race, then you can just chill out this week. This show really is about being your weekly dose of running motivation. But what a bizarre few days. What a bizarre few days. We're tapering. We're chilling. Pete, I can see you on Zoom as we connect. You're in your, your bathrobe. You've just... <laughs> You've just had a second-hand bath, jumping in your wife's water, which is a bit weird. Thanks for sharing that with me before we recorded this. But it's a weird period, man. Are you feeling Are you feeling nervous yourself, Pete? You're obviously doing the relay. Well, first of all, um, I jumped in my wife's um, bath because, you know, we've got a water meter and I'm a child of the 1980s, so I understand that, uh, you know, you need to be careful with such things. Um, and nervousness. No, I, I have absolutely no perception of what to expect, so my nerves won't kick in until I'm actually there. The thing I'm most nervous about, if I'm honest, no, it's only a 10K that I'm doing, but that to me is as much of a challenge as I'm sure a full marathon will be to you, quite genuinely. I'm not even joking because, yeah, it's going to kill me. But I'm not particularly nervous about that because I don't have any point of reference because I've never run with people there before. So I don't know what to expect. It's really strange, actually. Um, I'm not looking forward to it, put it that way, but I don't know if there's any kind of nervousness. There might be some excitement, there might be nervousness, but I am nervous about something because I, you know, I screwed up the hotel booking and stuff and I'm staying Mm. um, the Sunday night, so I'm going to do the run then stay the Sunday night. Um, What I've also done is I've screwed up the um, booking of the car park because I've booked to car park and it turns out that I've booked a car park and I've checked the booking now and it said only book this car park if you have a very 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 small car because (laughs) (laughs) it's a nightmare to manoeuvre around and I've read the reviews of it and as you know I have rather an old man uh, family taxi type of car Um, So I don't know what's going to happen with that. So that's my first nervousness. So once I'm through that nervousness, I'll probably start shitting myself about the marathon itself. I think I'm quite impressed with that. I don't know. I mean, you're taking the whole thing seriously. There's lots of runners that will be doing Manchester as well. They're no doubt doing their own kind of research at the moment, putting their last-minute plans in place. You're reading reviews of car parks. It's a bit weird, Pete. I'm going to be honest with you. It's just a bit odd. I've never used TripAdvisor for car park reviews. Yeah, but as far as car parks are concerned, I've got a point of reference. Do you know what I mean? I can understand that. I get it. I can get nervous about it. I can get excited about it. I can think, oh no, I've overstepped the mark with this one. But as far as the actual marathon's concerned, I have no perception of what's going to happen. I can't be nervous of something I have no idea about. I actually do like that. And you're absolutely right. Because if it is your first time doing something, whatever that something is, you have no reference point. There's almost no expectation. Now, of course, you will 
inevitably have some expectation that you put on yourself, even if you don't want to admit it, even if it's just to yourself listening to this now with any race that you've got coming up. If it's the first time you've ever done that distance, let's say, it is a little bit the unknown. And, and hopefully that should help you feel slightly more relaxed about the whole thing. Of course, when you do a race, let's say a 10K in your case, Pete, or half marathon, whatever, then you've got a measurement, haven't you? you you've, you've, you've laid down a benchmark and you're right, that's the time that I achieved. And then if you do another one in the future, it's, it's like, oh, I hope I can beat that time and all that sort of stuff. So it's a, it's a difficult place to be in some respects. I actually put a post out on social media the other day and I really feel strongly about this. I think it's really easy if you are in reasonable shape, so coming in up to a race in the taper period, and you're feeling pretty good and you think, yeah, you know, I could probably get a personal best here. Let's say you've done this distance a few times. So you're like, right, I could, you know, I want to get out, go for a PB. I think you have to be a little bit careful that you don't attempt to take too much out of that time. Now, if you, let's use half marathon example, maybe you've run a couple of half marathons. So you've got a PB, you're in that, infancy period of running where you it's like this golden period where you can just keep achieving a pb after pb after pb you know if everything goes okay on the day and stuff you can just keep eating into that time and i think it can cause you to be a little bit greedy potentially because you know you don't just want to shave off a minute you might want to shave off five minutes or some people even more in a marathon it's like oh, i want to you know take 20 minutes off this time or more i think there's a bit of a risk there because if you're too ambitious if you get too carried away and you overcook it massively, you could end up like completely missing out on a PB at all. Never mind a PB that's just, you know, quote unquote, just a couple of minutes faster than your previous PB. Does that make some sense? I think yeah, you have to sort of play a bit of a patient game and it's difficult. Martina, my girlfriend, she's in that sort of place at the moment. She really wants to push. She's feeling pretty good. I'm trying to hold her back a little bit. I'm saying, look, a PB is still a PB. You know, you don't need to smash your PB this time. Just do it gently. And the great thing about that is, People listening to this that achieved a, achieved a PB will know it's an amazing feeling. You're just so proud of yourself. It makes it feels like all the work has not been a waste of time. We know it's never a waste of time, but it, it just feels like that if you achieve a PB. You're so you're so happy. You're on cloud nine. Well, all that amazing feeling and that that emotion, if you chip away at your personal best, you get that same feeling every time you go and do it which is awesome. Looking at this from a professional athlete point of view is something we'll get to do with Holly Archer because she's on the show today and she talks about this um, and uh, and what I love about her is she's so honest about everything as well. She really is, but she speaks about that uh, from, a, from a professional standpoint. Which is great to get that perspective, isn't it? As you say, from a professional athlete. I mean, we've had Holly Archer on the show before. You you may have heard that episode. If you've not listened to it, go back and check it out, honestly. It was a great chat with Holly. Um, one of the things we love about her is just really open and honest. Like, she's willing to kind of share everything, warts and all, share information, share training tips and advice. You know, some Ooh. athletes can be a little bit sort of closed up with those kinds of things. Not right or wrong, just kind of the way it is for some people. But she's really willing to just put stuff out there. If she's not having a good day or the session's not gone to plan or the event's not gone to plan, you know, she'll talk about it. She'll say why. She'll say how she's feeling about it. But she also really wants to help other people as well. So it's so another awesome chat with Holly Archer again today. Make sure you stick around. Coming up on the show. For the show notes and video content... Go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Running with Jake, the podcast. So, um, so we're just going to give it a go today. 
uh, on the show, today's guests. Uh, we, we do, regular listeners of the show will know, we do have the odd little technical glitch, don't we, Pete? It happens on occasions. Sometimes, yeah. okay, most of the time it's our fault. Sometimes it's not our fault. It just happens, <laughs> one of those things. We do have a former podcast guest on the show today. I'm very excited to hopefully be speaking with Holly Archer. Holly, please tell me you're there. I am here, and I'm I'm sorry all the technical difficulties falter with me. Um. We are not living in a blame culture. <laughs> it's um, <laughs> unless it's your fault, in which case it's, it's, it's 100% your fault. Hundred percent my fault. <laughs> oh man, look, we're not going to blame you at all. It's it's a pleasure uh. to have you back on the show again. Normally we connect on the old video with our guests on Zoom. That's how we spoke to you last time when we had you on. We had a great chat. Uh, unfortunately, you can't do that today. We're just going to have the audio. We can hear you. That's the main thing. That's the most important thing. Holly, uh, it's great to chat to you again. And actually, I'm quite surprised that we do have kind of technical glitches with data and signal and stuff. Because you're actually back in the UK, aren't you? Now, if you were out in Arizona still, I'd understand. But where are you now? Where are you actually parked up? I am parked up in Cambridge somewhere. This morning, I, I've I had an early start. I started at half past five this morning. I did a couple of oh. hours work. Um, then I did a session this morning at 9am. I have just got done with the gym. And yeah, I am sitting in my car recording this with you guys because I wanted to make sure we caught back up because so much has happened since our last discussion. So, yeah. It's mad, isn't it? It's mad. I mean, if this, if this doesn't work out and the signal completely goes, you're just going to have to release some kind of Netflix film or something, yeah. some documentary, so we can catch up on what's been going on. Because honestly, I can't keep up with you, Holly. Arizona, Birmingham, you were competing, and Cambridge at the weekend. It's bonkers. Let's yes. start with Cambridge. That's where you are at the moment. Am I right in saying you ran your first half marathon at the weekend? Was it your first one ever? Yeah, and honestly, I did everything that an elite athlete should not do. So I did not prepare... <laughs> for that race um it was not in the plan um i was i was meant to do the first three miles as a warm-up which did not happen so i didn't do a warm-up um yeah basically the whole idea of it was i was actually going to do a long run with company in my home city and enjoy it and sometimes racing is about enjoying it and taking the pressure off but then i totally forgot that i am so competitive and uh that did not work <laughs> out so yeah i ended up running a 73 20 minute half marathon off of 1500 meter training which is not advisable let me tell you it was painful <laughs> that was painful um man you, yeah. you've definitely gone against the grain there holly that's good you know we don't always like textbook approaches on the show yeah. we like things uh, to be a little bit come at things from a different angle you certainly did that well, what was the experience like because i mean you know people listen to the show can relate when they go and do their first ever race of a particular distance it's, it's naturally a pb because they've never done, done it before of course but at your level you're now a pro athlete which i want to ask you about your, your yeah. great relationship with Under Armour, but what what was it like taking part in in Cambridge as a, a racing a half? Because it's very different from what you used to on the track, isn't it? Yeah, it's so different on the track. It's very intense. It's it's there's no time for mistakes. There's no relaxing. There's no time for even thoughts. Sometimes it's four minutes of racing, but whilst you're racing in those four minutes, you're all out. So. You know, the breathe, the heavy breathing starts instantly and it's about holding that intensity. Whereas when I ran Cambridge Half, you know, I ran a first mile in 5.18 and, and forgive me for being, you know, modest, but that was how easy. 
because obviously at race pace uh, it's a 420 so I'm a minute slower sure. than what I'm usually running or what I've been training to run so of course naturally the first mile felt very relaxed and I just was I loved it just running in a group outside you know 10 10 of us all just trotting around the city oh, oh it was it was so different um, and less intense and I think I really enjoyed that side so to come away from that intensity to come away from all those goals that I've been working towards for eight weeks and you know they did go sideways as well so mentally I felt a little bit crushed and a little bit in a box um, you know when things go wrong how do you re-shift your mental side to not be so hard on yourself um so i was like you know what let's come away from this let's do something different and yeah it was nice to go to my home city have people all around i think it was like fourteen thousand people taking part in cambridge house it was running around the beautiful colleges uh where i used to work with uh, with family members around and you know it just brought running back to life a little bit for me um it's what it was about actually it was about enjoying it and doing things different and proving to myself that i am a good athlete and i do deserve to continue to you know uh be a pro and there's definitely room for me um in on the roads when i'm done with the track so yeah i absolutely love your honesty holly and and that's one of the reasons we wanted to get you back on the show we had a great chat last time you were on in fact i listened we, we were going to record this the other week weren't we and we couldn't uh and on that day when we recorded we were going to record it. I actually listened back to the episode, the old episode that, that you were on. And if you listen to this now and you didn't hear our Holly the first time, make sure you go back and check it out. A really open, honest chat as well. And, and you know, you've set the tone for, for this chat as well. And I love that honesty about, well, actually, we, you know, a bit of confidence there. Just, you know, I do belong here. I am a pro athlete and there is a good future for me. And, you know, all that sort of stuff. We always need, I think, all of us, and correct me if I'm wrong, Holly, but just that little bit of kind of acknowledgement. We all need that, don't we? We all need to know we're heading in the right direction. That, I think, comes from other people, support network. I see from what you put on Instagram, you've got a great support network around you in Arizona, back at home, family, friends. But we need to acknowledge ourselves as well. Now, when we spoke the first time, you, what I loved about that, apart from your honesty, you were very objective looking at yourself and your performances. And even though you had some setbacks and things that didn't go to plan, which is natural, you knew you were in great shape. Where are you at the moment? How are you feeling in terms of the shape that you're in based on the goals and where you're taking things? The summer didn't quite go to a plan. And you know what? That's because my goals are so high and that's where they should be. I set my goals high and, you know, if you just you can either go under them or over them. And there's no point in shooting your goals low, um, although to a certain extent you should have achievable goals. But my goal was to make the Olympics and that is one hell of a goal. And yes, I didn't, I missed it by 0.2 of a second. Um, now, I don't think that was down to my shape. I think that was down to my approach and my pressures around and how I am as a person. Um, I do go hard on myself. I run to myself to the ground in training. Um, I'm very intense. I don't like to ever like I always give it 110 and sometimes in training you should give it 80 and sometimes we forget that we just think the more the better so yeah unfortunately I made a few mistakes in my approach and I, I let, let the uh, racing get to me a little bit and I missed the Olympics first one out so you know yeah I was gutted and um, something I didn't tell you was after the Olympics was I really considered if I if I wanted to continue being a trying to be a pro because it got me that down I was honestly I thought I was depressed for a couple of weeks because it was such it was such a driving thing it was my whole 
goal for three months of you know for since March to to August to make that team and to miss out by that fraction, it's less than clicking your fingers. Uh, it sounds horrific, but then when you actually digest it a week after, and everyone starts getting on the plane, and everyone starts racing the heats, and you're sat at home, it's reality started kicking in. Thinking, what if I had just done that race? What if I had just run a quick pick, one second quicker? What if I had an extra hour sleep before the final? Just all of these what ifs just come flooding in, and then you just think, well, well am I going to make the next one now? Um, you know, was that my opportunity? Did did I let that? You know, they come around four years every four years. It's not something that, um, you know, is something that you can just try again next week. So. It hit me hard that summer and then I nearly give up. I nearly threw the towel in and thought, right, I've given it a go. I gave it all my best. I think that's that's as much as I can do. And then um, I got a call from the group in, in the US and they just said, look, we want to offer you a contract and, you know, you are good enough and we want to give you another chance and not another chance, but we want to support you till Paris. Um, and I just thought, wow, they believe in me at the point where I didn't believe in myself and that's what I needed. Um, so yeah, I got on a plane and I've joined the team out in uh, Arizona. And I think the change in atmosphere, dynamic coaching setup, and everything takes a while for you to adjust to. And that's something that I now need to be patient with. So if you've ever changed coach, if you've ever changed environment, if you've ever changed a job, you might find that for a couple of months, things, other things in your life don't go as smoothly. If your training doesn't go as well, um, and that's only mo that's only momentum it's just for a small period of time it may take me six weeks to adjust and then I will start seeing the results so right now I think my body's still adjusting I am fit I am in good shape I mean I've just run a half marathon off no training in a 73 so I'm obviously fit in terms of uh, endurance wise but that sting and kick um, that I was showing a bit last year hasn't yet had time to come through just because of the intensity that I've incorporated into my training and other areas. The weight side of things, the the altitude, those types of things are going to have an effect on, on my training. And um, yeah, I'm just going to be patient, which I haven't been before. Um, you know, when you start running, you see instant results. You get instant PBs. If you've coached anybody or if you've had somebody that you've run with, they first start doing your training and they, the times come off drastically and they, they PB and PB and PB and then they plateau. And as an elite athlete, you're constant, you're constantly, there's sometimes there's nowhere to go. We, I'm doing absolutely everything you could possibly do for the last three years. So it's about being patient and, um, yeah, I think that's where I am right now. I'm doing everything I need to be doing and I think there are results going to come maybe this summer. So I'm going to keep at it, keep the consistency there make sure I incorporate a bit more rest and uh, not be so hard on myself because that's just only going to limit myself right now. There's so much that I so, want to pick I'm up sorry. on that you've yeah, said there. I just, where where I do just... I start? Where do I start? No, it's great. <laughs> I'm I love sorry. it. I'm sorry. I just, yeah, gone on a tangent. But yeah, so much has happened. No. So. <laughs> <laughs> Holly, it's amazing. It really and, 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 wow. you know, the passion clearly comes across as well. And again, that honesty, I'm going to use that word again. It's just awesome. So we're talking about the Olympic trials here. I mean, one mm. second. You, I mean, I, I can't comprehend that. I cannot no. comprehend that. Yeah. You said it wasn't down to your shape which we knew because we spoke to you prior to I mean, as in we knew because you were look I'm in great shape here I'm feeling good but obviously the stars have got to align and they didn't on that, on that day on the, in that moment did it help you bounce back the fact that you knew it wasn't down to your shape do you know what I mean it was kind of those periphery things it was the other things 
Did that help or not? Not really, because, you know, part of racing at that level, um, you know, you don't have time to think, and I'm a great tactician. So I would say in a race situation, I am very good at reading the race. But it was just one of them things where where championship races, you've got heats in your leg from the day before and you've got to come back, you've got to compose yourself and you've got to have belief. And I think I stood on that line and I don't think I had the belief and that's what was missing. So um, I knew, I think that's why it went wrong. So in order to have belief, when you stand on a start line, you need confidence. And where do you get confidence from? Your training. So, you know, I should have trusted my training at that point and I should have been cocky and I should have stood on that line and gone, I've got this. And for whatever reason, I didn't. I stood on that line and I was a bit arm and erring. And I think if you're arm and erring and that's that's the difference between a winner and somebody that, you know, is an average runner, is that when you go to your next race, you need to tell yourself, yeah, I'm going to run this sub sub 16 5k yeah i'm in shape i've just done this training or you can stand and go you know i'm in good shape anything under 16 30 i'll be happy with so that's the difference in your your mindset and when you go on when i went on that race i had the mindset of right just try and get top three and secure your spot and i shouldn't i should have had the mindset of i need to win this race and no one's going to get in my way and it is it is a hard mindset to have because you put pressure on yourself um, but it, it's it's what it takes, unfortunately. If you want to make these teams and you want to be the best and you want to keep improving, you've got to have that kind of mindset. It's no good anymore just to be happy with, you know, being comfortable. You've got to get used to being uncomfortable and putting yourself in uncomfortable spots. I really like what you said there. Umming and erring, and I totally get that, completely get that. I get that on my own running, Holly, yeah, you know, with my yeah. own goals, where there's times where I am umming and erring, and guess what? When the going gets tough and it really gets challenging and um, push comes to shove, you can end up breaking under that. You can succumb to the pressure, as it were, because you're not totally, totally sure. Like you said, it comes from training, and you've got to back yourself. I think you used that phrase in the last podcast, actually. You've got to back yourself because ultimately when you are there competing, it's only you competing. You've got the people yeah. around you, but they're not in the race with you on your shoulder. They might be in your head, but you know what I mean? You've got to really back yourself, and clearly you had that just that little seed of doubt last year, which meant it didn't, you know, one second shy. One second. Yeah. You mentioned Paris. Now, that's super exciting. So is this where you're going now? Is this the big goal? And, and a big question, Holly, how realistic is that? Well, you know, it was... I think it's very realistic, and I'll tell you why. Because everything kind of everything kind of went upside down after March when I, was un, I wasn't a professional, I was working full-time, and I got a medal. And now Paris will be a three-year cycle of me being a pro, three years of learning, three years of being in bigger, big elite races, race you know, racing the people and three years of growth. So I think I can grow. I'm going to hold myself accountable with each year and, and set the bar. And, you know, Commonwealths is this year, um, which is very high on the agenda. Uh, Europeans as well. And making these teams will give me that confidence and, um, you know, that um, experience to understand the process of and the time and training and timings is key working backwards from races and and knowing when to push and when to stop is is key so that's something that you know um i've got three years now to figure out so yeah i really want to make paris i think i've got it in in me i think i've got uh i'm only going to get quicker um stronger so yeah it's 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 something i'm going to go for and not shy away from yeah 
Just touching on that, and you mentioned earlier about, you know, sometimes it's giving it, very often giving it 80%, not necessarily smashing it. We had Dr. Andy Jones on the podcast recently, physiologist. He said the same thing with his own goals yeah. and with other athletes that it helps. Yeah. You know, you don't have to smash everything and yeah. give it 110%, as you say. It's just doing enough, and it's that consistency, that accumulative effect. You're obviously very driven, Holly, yeah. that's clear. Do you yeah. find it easy to hold back or is it down to other people to hold you back you know it's all about learning as you say yeah. and you've got three years to learn and, and develop and all these things do you find it easy or is it quite difficult i mean cambridge is a good example isn't it i know it's a race but <laughs> hard to hold back you felt yeah. good the pace felt relatively pedestrian comfortable versus what you do on the track how how easy is it for you obviously i'm now coached by stephen house and under armor in the u.s so he's learning how i how I train and I um I I do not get to training and go if we've got a pace I go for the hardest pace you know I'm not somebody that that goes let's start here and ease in I would rather start hard and see see where to redline because otherwise how am I going to get better like I don't like it when people say let's start slow no no let's not because we haven't got time we haven't got time to mess around but this is what this is what i'm saying about you know timings but if you give yourself enough time and you trust yourself then i can start slow in sessions and i can start applying 80 percent hard for 12 weeks is better than 110 percent for six weeks do you know what i'm saying so it's absolutely better- so it's better to kind of come back from the situation, pick a race and give yourself 12 weeks that you're working hard but you're not overdoing it instead of giving yourself six weeks and going hell to leather because that's what I did and I think, you know, that's the bit I'm learning is that it's not meant to be 110%. But, yeah, people around me and who coach me at the minute, they know... Um, they know what I'm like, so yeah, they do. They do change up my training and try and <laughs> make me hit a certain pace to begin with to to ease me out. But um, yeah, like I said, Cambridge, you know, I get carried away and I get excited and I just want to push myself and see how hard or you know I I like to go into a hole. I, I if I haven't gone into a hole and I'm not on the floor at the end of something, I I haven't done my job in my opinion. <laughs> so you see your attitude to running is very much like my attitude to an all you can eat buffet, I'll be honest. <laughs> there you go. You know, there's no messing about. Go in, go hard, eat as much as you can and by the end of it if you're not on the ground gripping yourself in pain, something's gone wrong. Exactly. It's the same thing, Pete. It's, <laughs> it's exactly the same, the thing. same thing. You mentioned We're you mentioned the same hole. <laughs> yeah, but I can see you in Arizona very soon, Pete. But actually, they probably do eat a fair amount of uh, oh, they buffets do. I'm sure they do. <laughs> Holly, you mentioned your, your new coach. Is it Stephen? He's the Under Armour coach. When I got the deal, um, how it works is you need to move to wherever that coach is based. Um, but I still work closely with my coach in Cambridge because obviously I come home quite regularly. He knows me. And, you know, I trust his opinion and his training also. So... It's really good, actually, because I get best of both worlds, which is which is fabulous. But, yeah, I'm currently ba- coached and based in the US, in Arizona, yeah. It must be a mixed bag of emotions, I imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, excitement, of course, but you, you mentioned earlier about the whole kind of process, learning and getting comfortable again. You know, things change. It's, it's now a completely different thing. You're out in Arizona, you're working with the, a new coach, you're with, with Under Armour, under, under, under Armour's wing, as it were, 
how how did that transition work for you, or is it, are you still going through that with with the new coach? Is it was it easy for you? Did you embrace it? And how how's it going? Yeah, I mean, he got to know me this summer because I was out there training. Um, you know, when I was kind of paying for myself, and I just you know, as you know, I just submerged myself there and put myself in the crowd. And obviously, that's where I got noticed, and that's where I got picked up to be sponsored. So you know, by going and doing that, I don't regret any of it because. It it may it you know if you go to a networking event you may get a job out of it so that's kind of what happened you know people saw me training and and he got to see me train in the summer as well so he kind of it's not is although I only signed in October um, he's been able to kind of monitor me for nearly a year now so he knows what I'm capable of he knows what I have in the bag and he knows how I train but yeah he's learning just as much as I am at the moment but yeah it, it's it's different because he trains differently um, to what I'm used to and yeah it's about learning and, and adapting and trusting that and just being patient with it um, but yeah no it's going really well and my type of character is, you know, I'm very easy to get along with. As long as I'm working hard, then I'm happy. <laughs> I mean, as long as Stephen understands that you just need to go into a hole every time you train, if he's on the same page with that, I don't see any problems. It's going to be a very fruitful relationship, of yeah, course. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not quite on the same page yet. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be so, on the same page before long. <laughs> last time when we spoke, Holly, you were, you were all for the altitude training as well. I know you were loving that and, and you know, the benefits that you get from training at altitude obviously when you come back to sea level how how are you finding that is it everything that you thought now you've done quite a lot of that i saw that you did was it recently you did a a one kilometer time trial on the track you came back down to sea level for that how are you finding the the whole altitude thing that is really really interesting you said that so um something uh, obviously i'm a very honest and open person as you will see from my from my socials and and I came back from doing, you know, I did six weeks at sea level and we, yes, we dropped down to sea level in Phoenix and that was more of a training 1K time trial hard. And yeah, that went really well. I think I ran around uh, 2.38 for a time trial. So um, yeah, that was that was good effort and I was in a good place. Um, then we go back up to do your, back to your training. So the whole idea is that at 7,000 feet, you've got, you know, like 10, 20% less oxygen. You're constantly in oxygen debt your muscles and your breathing is constantly straining and then you're reproducing that red blood cell. So then when you drop down, you're not breathing as hard and you drop down and it feels dramatically easier, um, especially over the longer stuff. However, when I got to Birmingham and I started racing my indoor season, it was not going as as I anticipated. Um, and I, as, I, as you saw on my socials, I, I did a race in Birmingham. I had trained so hard for this and training was going well it was and so I was kind of shocked and I kind of stepped off the track and I just thought something's not right um I don't know what it is um training's well I've been to altitude my bloods should be good so naturally I got my bloods done and it turns out my bloods weren't good so usually you go to altitude to boost your hemoglobin and your hematocrit and in this scenario my haemoglobin and hematocrit had actually declined, which is very, wow. very abnormal. Yes, it's you, because naturally your body is in debt, so it should reproduce more. Um, so for whatever reason, my body didn't respond to the altitude. So it did last year, um, and this year there was no improvement, and actually, in fact, there was a decrease, which is 
Um, so, yeah, I'm having that analysed at the moment and having a little look into why. But, you know, you, we always think this altitude works, but sometimes it can put you in a hole and maybe I was training too hard and, and everything kind of went downhill. But, yeah, that's another learning curve for me and I want to be transparent with everybody about that because everyone thinks, oh, if you go to altitude, you're naturally going to get better. And not always, not always. You can actually get you can be way worse off if you if you go too hard or if something's not working so yeah it's about putting that right before i go back out for the spring isn't that so interesting the fact yeah. that you felt the way that you felt and you know something's not right did you bloods it turns out that those uh, measurements were down which you wouldn't expect who would expect that even people that hadn't been to altitude but who hears about altitude and athletes going to altitude for training and whatnot that's just crazy isn't it it just goes to show how much detail must go into someone of your level holly to achieve what you want to achieve because you're looking for all these little improvements aren't aren't you i mean as you say you start yeah. coaching somebody new or you if you're new to running you achieve pbs all the time you're in this kind of honeymoon period but then you yeah. plateau and it's right how can i make improvements you know going to arizona working with a new coach all this sort of stuff talking of things that have changed for you we know a lot's changed obviously as a pro athlete for, for under armor as we've mentioned work now are you are you are you part-time are you not working at all because you were working for a pharmaceutical company weren't you in in marketing is that right yes yes so you know me i'm 110 miles per hour all the time so um <laughs> i am... we'll let you go shortly we'll let you go just stick around for a few minutes longer all right I'll let you go. <laughs> no um but i am still working yes i did uh, finish at Cycle Pharmaceuticals. I absolutely love them and I appreciate everything, but the direction wasn't quite right for the next until Paris. When I worked there, I want to be present. It's a kind of type of environment where you need to be on it and you can't be making mistakes. And, you know, I needed to find something that I could do part time that was a little bit you know, laissez-faire, where I can kind of check in, check out um, when when suited, when I'm not... Because you're drained all the time from training, you know. This morning I've been up early, I've done a workout, I've done gym, and I've got to run again later. So it's just, you want to do something where you're not pulled into meetings and you're, you know, restricted by deadlines because it, it's just too much. So um, I, li- I love working for them and I love that environment but when I'm not a professional so I will love to go back in the next couple of years so um yeah I was in touch with another guy who just needed some part-time help which still in the lifestyle life science industry um but it's a recruiting company so I can help with all the marketing uh, side of things I help with events and um that co- coordination work so I'm doing that part-time um whilst whilst still being a professional which is is definitely a lot easier it's nicer to not feel so restricted yeah you mentioned this last time when we spoke about the the importance of having that support and with work as well things have got to fit haven't they and it doesn't mean that relationships be it work or otherwise are particularly wrong or bad or anything like that it can just be it doesn't work at the moment with for the time and where i am in my life and my journey with yourself working towards Mm. paris it's got to supplement it's got to be integrated i imagine because otherwise you you know you've got to be so on it with what you're doing that everything matters you are 100 miles an hour we clearly know that (laughs) Uh, we love you for it holly can you switch off can you switch off or you know can you how do you get your downtime from from everything do you get any downtime from kind of work and athletics and what does that look like no you know that's one thing i need to work on every (laughs) everyone after the half marathon everyone was like you need to take a day off and i was like yeah sure and i went for a seven mile run and i was like yeah but it was only at 750 so that counts as a day off 
<laughs> so no, um, I can't. Yeah, I think that's one thing I need to get better at, and I think that will help if I can start learning to relax and take days off and let my body rest but I just feel like if I'm not running I'm not progressing which is a bad attitude to have but yeah no I I do need to learn how to switch off but um I'll I'll get there eventually you can you can switch off when you're dead I guess so that's my attitude (laughs) (laughs) that's never been proved to be fair that's never been proved so are you saying that you don't like switch off and binge like box sets and stuff do you watch tv you on netflix Um, have you even got a subscription I do have Netflix, but yeah, no, I I just find it really difficult. I mean, this is how I break up my day is every day I plan for the next day. And it's something you kind of have to do as being an athlete is, you know, I wake up and I make sure I've had my vitamins and I make sure I've got my porridge on the go. And that needs to be an hour before I do my first run or my first session. So if I'm running at 10, then I need to be up eating and stuff by nine. Um, And then if I'm running at 10, I do mobility and stretching before I run. So that takes about 20, 30 minutes. So that needs to be done at 9.30. I finish my run at 11 or so. Then you've got strides and stretching. You've got a shower. And everything is in segments if you want to do it correctly unfortunately it takes time and that's that's called the one percent then there's fuel that needs to come into that there's nutrition there's i go back to the gym i do another run um and figure out dinner and then you've got to do it all over again and then there's other sides into your life like i work and organizing races you know um travel training camps um planning all of those things so there's not much time to switch off but I do try, I have lately tried to be, try to read at bedtime. Sounds ridiculous. Well, maybe it doesn't, but it's something that like, especially I feel like um, my, I don't know, my era or, you know, we're just constantly scrolling on Instagram. Um, Social media takes presence, stress is coming. And I just think um, the last couple of weeks I've been trying to read at least you know, 20, 30 pages before bed. And it's just, it's actually just been really refreshing and that's that's my switch off. <laughs> so, yeah, it's something that I didn't think would help that much, but um, it's changed my sleep a lot and my relaxation before bed to take your mind off of everything that you've got to do the next day. It kind of just switches off for 10, 20 minutes, which then in turn helps your sleep and helps your body stress so yeah that's something that i've been really enjoying um that's fairly new so i'm going to definitely continue what are you reading at the moment holly it's called the snowman so i'm reading um this book by um joe it's um a it's kind of more of a murder kind of based mystery um Oh, more I of a that. thriller. So I don't know if that's relaxing. I love a thriller. I, do you know what? I'm of exactly the same mind where I used to just sit there on my phone and I'd drop to sleep with my phone in my hand and I'd be scrolling for an hour or an hour and a half before sleep. But just a book. Now, I've just got it on the Kindle there. And I must say, I'm totally with you. It totally relaxes me. But I'm well impressed by you 30 pages before bed because I get like, like a page and a half down and then quite often the Kindle falls on my face and then wakes me up. 
up and I went, oh, God. It, I'm, I'm Like, half a page and I'm asleep, genuinely. All right, I'll be honest with you. It's more, it is more like 10, 20 pages, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to come <laughs> oh, across. You were... <laughs> I didn't want to come. I was like, <laughs> I was like the listeners are going to be like, is that it? Oh, you were just showing off then. <laughs> I see. I see how it is. Well, okay. well, seeing as we're doing the whole honesty thing, I, I use a Kindle as well, and I will admit, I actually super enlarge the text just so I can read more pages. I probably read about three pages, but actually... <laughs> It ends up being 15 because it's like giant letters. It's work. It's a good technique. It's a good technique. It works. Do you, do you sleep well, Holly? Do you Are you able to switch off and eventually just kind of like go, oh, right, I'm in a deep slumber, forget everything? So after the indoor season, I um, I analysed my season and I thought, what's gone well and what hasn't, right? That What can we fix? Because something's not right. And my top two things that I want to fix for outdoors is sleep. So regular sleep. And I'm talking... I'm talking same time, going to bed same time and getting up at same time because that's when your body can get in a routine and a system and that's when it works best is like clockwork. So that's something that it was hard because I was in all these different time zones and all these different places and all these things going on that you can, it's hard to go to bed at certain times when you've got all these stuff. But that's something that I want to work on because, you know, sometimes I was going to bed late and getting up early and... No, none of that. I want to go to bed early, get up early, keep it at that. Um, so that's one thing I want to fix. But yes, sometimes I'd go to bed early and just not be able to sleep. You know, I'd toss and I'd turn and my body is so tired from the training and the altitude and how many miles I put through it each week. But why can't I sleep? It's because my head won't switch off. Um, so yeah, that's something why I think reading, that's why I've started reading since indoors, to try and help with just 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 coming down and letting your brain just switch off and kind of like, I don't know, hypnotise myself just to think, just switch off, get tired, forget everything. And the other thing is nutrition. Again, like sleep, turn it into clockwork. I eat, I eat whatever, whenever, which a lot of people are like, wow, that must be so nice. And yeah, it is. As runners... I can eat a whole box of Jaffa cakes. I can go through a whole box of hob- <laughs> hobnobs. It happens. It happens quite regularly, actually. You'll be surprised. But is it's not about calories for me. It's about it's about after a run. You need to have protein. It, it's not it's not a case of yes, I can eat hobnobs if I want, and it's going to do nothing to my impact me. But if I switch that out for protein, I'm going to start my um, recovery process so much earlier so it's, it's it's about the choices that can still progress you and I know this stuff but you just forget you just think I'm just going to have a bowl of cereal actually because I need to eat after I run but switch the cereal out and have you know banana and some peanut butter because you've got the carbs and you've got the protein and you've got the fat so it's about changing certain things to fit with timing so like I said, with, you know, having that routine when I wake up and write, writing everything down, I'm going to stretch here, I'm going to run here, I'm going to eat this here, um, and then I'm going to, that way you're just going to enhance your recovery. And food and sleep is just as important as training. And that's something that I've started to learn. You know, training is just one one of them. You know, if you're not, if you're not putting protein in after your run then you're not going to start recovering till you know six or seven hours later when you could have been recovering three or four hours earlier you know so it just prolongs everything so those are the two areas that I'm going to try and work on for outdoors is nutrition and sleep and nailing that because I know I nail my training um 
it's those sides that I think will ma- massively help. I want to ask about the future, the future, 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 because yeah. you mentioned, obviously, we spoke about the, the first half marathon, Cambridge, that you ran, and yeah. you did mention you yeah. touched on, well, you know, maybe in the future. Do yeah. you see yourself beyond Paris and beyond track 1,500 metres? Do you see yourself doing longer distances and being competitive at them? What, what's your long-term view? Doing this half, you know, I didn't tell anyone I was doing it, by the way. My coach didn't even know um, because I knew, he, I knew he'd say no. So, you know, I just said I'm going out for a long run and I'm going to run the last three miles hard. And he was like, right, okay, keep it controlled. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> then he went... <laughs> Define controlled. Blah, 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 honestly, blah, blah. Yeah, he, 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 woke, he woke up in the US to me having done a 73-minute half marathon and was like... <laughs> I just got a text message from him going, how is the long run? <laughs> and he, he, he'd seen my Instagram story, so he knew fully, full well that like I'd you know, lied to him. But no, he, he knows what I'm like and, um, you know. Um, but no... I think every, looking back, every road race I have run, which is very few, have gone really well. So the last hard road race I did was two years ago, and I did the Great South, and I surprised myself, and I I came fourth, I think, um, and I ran, you know, 55, 30 or something. And by the way, I ran faster in my 10 in my 10 mile um in this week on the weekend so yeah i was i was really i pb'd over 10 mile in a half marathon which is crazy but um anna got a 10k pb so that means i was really <laughs> steaming through the, the half that's just greedy that's just greedy i don't know if it's gre- greedy or stupid or maybe combined but yeah um no i definitely feel there is a future for me that on the roads i feel comfortable i feel relaxed i i enjoy it and every single run i've done has gone well and I haven't trained for them. So, um, yeah, with a bit more better preparation, yeah, it is something that I want to do. Um, definitely more 5 and 10Ks on the road. And maybe, you've heard it here first, I might try a 5K on the track before Commonwealths. Ooh. Because Love I'm it. Cle- Love exclusives. I'm, yeah, I'm clearly strong. And I think this half marathon is what's opened my eyes a bit. It's like I have got the endurance and the strength. And so... Why am I limiting myself for a 15? What if I try... I've never done a 5K on the road. Uh, on the on the track, sorry. I've never done one. And that's crazy to me because I think three miles or three point, you know, one miles may be, may be a really good... I might be really good at it considering what I can do over 13. So it's something that I might try this summer. Um, and this is all because of the half marathon. I've gone, hang on a minute, I'm strong. So what if I maybe step up on the track but you know i've still got the speed so yeah it's something that i would try but yeah your to answer your question after paris and and stuff i would like to go do more stuff on the roads um yeah maybe maybe target some 10ks and and some half marathons in the future yeah i'm not quite sure about the marathon yet it, after that one, I'm a bit daunted. I'm a bit scared. <laughs> so, so yeah. We'll, we'll Thank see God, she is human. She is human. <laughs> She's daunted by the marathon. Thank God. There's people yeah. listening to think, God, I'm so happy about that. I'm so happy to hear that. It's it's great to hear about your curiosity as well because I think that's really helpful for people to just be a little bit curious with their running as to what is possible. Like you say, well, actually, could I be okay at this? You know, like what? Yeah. I've never done this. I've not, I've not done the many ro- races on the road, but when I've done them, they've gone really well. You, you PB'd in three ma- three races at the weekend on the road, yeah. effectively, three and one, which is just amazing. So I, I love that curiosity. And I guess it kind of extends your, not interest, but it just extends the career as well, doesn't it? If you think, well, actually, long-term plans and long-term possibilities,
possibilities that things could, you know, you could turn a corner and suddenly get involved in more kind of, you mentioned the, the 5,000 metres on the track and various other races. Just a quick question regarding the, the, the road races that you've done, because I'm really interested to know this, the road races you've done that have gone really well and you said, oh, they typically go pretty well. Is it anything to do with expectations and management of? Do you know what I mean? Because you, yeah, you, your experience isn't isn't there. I just wondered whether that's yeah a thing. The, I think running on a track is uh, is psychologically way harder than anyone can imagine. Um, when you get dropped on the tr- when I say dropped when you know when there's a gap that arises on 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 a track, it's it's very intense it's up close it's personal you know when someone drops you by one meter on on a track it feels like all right your race is over um and the bends and things make it feel like that person's gone and you can't you know come back from it and i just feel like in road running if somebody drops you by 10 meters you're like yeah it's all right i'll close them in on on the you know on the last mile it it just feels less intense less up close less personal it's less mind games in my opinion you're just you're just running it's fascinating because for somebody of your level you you probably see things unfold much quicker you you I imagine, and I'm thinking as I speak here, more finely tuned. So when you're on the track and everything's happening so quick, you're having to react. And as you say, a one metre gap can feel like, you know, probably a mile to the next person. In some respects, everything's so huge. Whereas actually you're in a half marathon, you go, well, I'm only running X pace for the first couple of miles. This is pretty, you know, easy and comfortable relative to what you do on the track. You've got more time to think and react and respond. And well, if a gap builds, I'll potentially see you later. I've got time. I don't need to panic. It's it's really interesting to hear all that, Holly. And again, I thank you for being so honest it's been amazing to chat to you it was no, always going to be thank you so much for having me and i'm you know i hope that any of the listeners that are out got any goals coming up i would i'd firmly suggest like coming for off of this call today i think you know write down what you're trying to do and if you're not doing it and things aren't going right just list three or four things that you know you're doing that you can change might be smaller things eating breakfast at the same time every day an hour before you run um and if you can't do that make overnight oats and and make a way to you know fit it in and if you can do two or three things you know go to bed at the same time every day and sort your sleep out like i'm doing um or with when it comes to training and you know you can only train it three or four times a week then talk to your coach about making those sessions hard and cross training for the rest and i don't know just i think as, as runners, we can all relate. Just because I'm a pro, it doesn't make me any different to any of the runners listening to this. You all want to achieve the 1%. If you're going into your next race, you want to do better. And that's, I am just the same. So I am just making small changes that make me grow as an athlete over time. And, and you know, I'm not perfect, even though you may think I can run really, really fast. I'm just constantly changing my training that's all it is is constantly right how can i get better um change the small things what what would this this and this do over the course of eight weeks let's give it a go so yeah that's basically what i'm going to be doing for outdoors with my food and my nutrition and and my training so 
yeah, any of the runners listening, just change a few things and, you know, don't go too ham and try and do everything. But uh, just tweak a few things and commit to it. I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts on that. And you, you, yeah. you're absolutely mm. right. If we're looking at achieving goals, a goal is a goal. And therefore, there's a challenge involved in that, connected to that. And it's how you overcome that. And it's looking yeah. at those different areas and just looking, taking off the blinkers a little bit and looking at the broader picture, not just the running and the sessions. What else is going off in your life and what else can you improve? Well, look, yeah. I can't wait to catch up with you again. And it's, it's obvious, it's pretty obvious that once you've smashed Paris and once you've smashed all the road races that you want to do and you're finally coming to the end of your career, I'm sure you're going to be an amazing coach. It's pretty clear that's what's going yes, to happen. You're going to go into coaching. <laughs> I would love to coach, actually, because, you know, I've learned so much and I've been in the I, I've been in the sport for so long. So keep an eye out for me for Commonwealths and Europeans this summer. Those are the goals. And, yeah, anybody that wants to get in touch or has any quest- burning questions, I'm a phone caller or a voice note away. So, yeah, great speaking to you and thanks for having me on. Awesome, Holly. If people want to catch up with what you're up to, it's Holly A. Archer on Instagram. We will link your uh, account in the show notes page which is runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Listen, you need to get out of that car now, girl. I'm just worried <laughs> your legs are going to seize up. You've got, you got an easy session in a bit which probably means you're just going to give it 150%. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to listen to myself and I'm going to do 80%. Have a great rest of the day, Holly. Catch up soon. You too. Thank you. Running with Jake, the podcast. Did I tell you I had to cancel the silent disco at the weekend? What? I didn't know you were going to a silent disco. What do you mean? What do you mean, cancel the silent... You were holding a silent disco or going to one? No, no, I was going to one. Well, not just me, like, on my own. Me and Martina. We both... We agreed to go to a silent disco. This has been booked ages. Like, we've never been to a silent disco. And it's, it's just... It's been booked ages. It's a weird thing, a silent disco. If, you, if you're listening and you're thinking, what the hell's a silent disco? You, you might well ask. I mean, basically, when you go in, you're given a set of headphones and then you stand there or, or move around or do whatever with headphones on um, with other people with headphones on and the DJ's at the front and he's playing to people with headphones on. Basically, it, it's venues hold silent discos when, they don't have, when they've got neighbours uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> who they can annoy. And... Uh, They've not got a licence to have loud stuff happening, so they bring the silent disco people in. And the headphones always smell sweaty because of the person who wore them last time, and since then they've been in a box. So anyway, you've done well to get out of the silent disco, I'd say. Yeah, well, I was only going to go just to find out what one was. Uh, I didn't go, mm. but actually you just explained it to me, so that's, that's, that's like, massively helpful. Look, I tell you why. <laughs> I, I do say God. to people, you've got to make smart decisions when it comes to tapering and that period when you get so close to the race something you've been training hard for for a long time and some Mm. friends of ours we agreed i mean this was like last year they said oh do you fancy going to a silent disco i was like yeah no idea what it is they explained it and then they said it's in london and it's at the natural history museum i'm thinking what the the, the natural history museum they 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 do silent discos apparently so i was like yeah let's do it i know it's bonkers it's bonkers so i thought you know what that sounds absolutely insane yeah let's do it let's go for it and i knew it was the week before Manchester and Martina had a reservation she was like oh, do you think it's gonna be okay like the weekend before and and we were thinking more along, along the lines of being on your feet going to a disco I said look we, you know it's only the week before Manchester we're not gonna be break dancing and spinning on our heads I think we're gonna be okay and actually mm. it might be quite nice just to distract ourselves because you can feel a bit nervous about a big race and stuff so it's quite a healthy distraction but obviously one thing we didn't think about is a whole Covid thing 
I mean, are we still talking about that? You know, I, ju- I just thought, oh, it, you mm. know, it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Just so, I just thought, you know, I'm not up for it. And what is the point in putting yourself in that situation, like jumping, you know, in and out tube stations around London, a silent disco? I mean, knowing my luck, it'll, you know, I won't get COVID, but the skeleton of a giant whale will fall on me. And then I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to do the marathon anyway. And then what? <laughs> I mean, what kind of excuse is that? Yeah. How did it go, Jake? Why, yeah, it didn't happen. What do you mean didn't happen? Did you get, oh, did you get injured in the final? Well, yeah, I did, but running. Not really, no. Not really, no. I got a whale fell on me. Or the, car- <laughs> the carcass. It was the carcass of a, of a whale. I say fell on me. It kind of entrapped me. It was, I was like entrapped. So, yeah, I didn't want to put myself in that situation. I'm, I'm quite risk-averse at the moment, I have to say. Quite risk-averse. <laughs> yes. And I'm going to stay that way Absolutely. until next Monday. I like this about you, is you're seeing the potential danger in everything. Mm, like, mm, everything. Mm, and mm, that's mm. really important. Mm. Do you like this hazmat suit? It's lovely. I've only, taken the, I've only taken the helmet off just to record the show. That's it. As soon as we're done, I'm out of this cupboard. I'm going to put the hat straight on. <laughs> it's normally you who moves things on to ask Jake, but it's going to be me this time. Oh, yeah, we should do that. Let's do it. It's time to take another one of your questions. It is indeed hashtag AskJake. Today's question comes from Jake, who wants to know the best way to get rid of muscle soreness after a strength and conditioning session. Jake, this can be quite difficult, and to be honest, the best thing to do is try and avoid it in the first place. Now, I often advise my runners that do strength and conditioning work to build up the intensity very, very gradually, because you don't want the soreness to affect your runs. You want to get out there and smash your training sessions if it's a race that you're working towards. So make sure that you increase the sets, the reps, and potentially the weight very, very gradually. And then you can find what your body is capable of. It's almost tolerance level. And that's the best thing to do. If, of course, you do find that you're a little bit sore after a strength and conditioning work, some people do find that something simple like a hot bath can really help just to promote some blood flow and loosen off the muscles. You may find spending a little bit of time on a foam roller of an evening when you're catching up on Netflix is a good idea, or even booking a sports massage. Having said that, don't overlook the very simple benefits of just getting out there for a nice brisk walk that can really help to loosen off the muscles and get you feeling good again i hope that helps if you've got a question it's hashtag ask jake or you can drop me an email at podcast at runningwithjake.com i always say that brings us to the end of another episode of running with jake the podcast do i need to change that does it get a bit boring is it a bit samey bit you know well, oh. I, I mean how many how many ways can you i don't think you need to i think you're thinking about it too much mm, yeah yeah maybe you maybe are so hmm that brings us to the end of another episode of Running with Jake the Podcast, your weekly dose of running motivation. I will see you on the other side of the Manchester Marathon. Oh, my gosh. Unless, of course, a whale falls on me, in which case you're on your own. Yeah, and I'm, I'll be trapped in a little car park going, how do I get out? How do I get out? I'm wedged between a smart car and a Fiat 500. We might see you next week. But in either case, have a great week. Oh, and one more thing. Doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. 